Oh, my mic is in fact picking up the construction that my father is doing. He's doing a woodworking project, so, which is great. But if I'm talking, I feel like you can't hear it very well. And if you're talking, that it'll be fine. We'll live with it. Should we get started? Oh, God. window open? No, we're good. Recording. All right. Three, two, one. Um, that made such a weird looking spike on my audio. Love to see it. Have fun looking at that later. Um, where the fuck is my... One sec. <laughs> Trying to find my opener. I had an opener. Where is oh, it? Oh, great. I don't. Oh. I forgot. Um, where is it? Okay. <coughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to turn down my mic sensitivity a little bit. Um, blah, blah, blah. Blur. Blur, blah, blur. I don't remember much of my the dream I had last night, but um, Jack and Clay were there, and I don't remember the context. I'm pretty sure we were in I'd letterboxed, like physically. In like, letterboxed. Like some cursed emoji movie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I texted Jack last night after watching Paddington 2. Ah. Well, my mom and I watched both Paddington and Paddington 2, and um, it deserves its number one spot. Nice. It was, it was really good. They were both really, really good. Okay. Are you All right, ready? I'm ready to go. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Have you heard the good news about... No. <laughs> Have you heard the good news about my broken toe? <laughs> no. It happened this morning. <laughs> Oof. That's what I was going to tell you about. <laughs> Dylan and I use they pronouns. Hi, I'm Sophia and I use she they pronouns and I also have a potentially broken pinky toe. It looks Rich. like a little grape. Yeah. If you want to check if you want to check your Snapchat, I sent you a picture. Gross. I will. It's it's not, it's not like horrible, but like no, it's pretty bad. Rip. RIP my toe, right? And I started a new job, and um, it's in land management. So I'm, like, outside and supposed to be walking, like, almost every day. Mm. Isn't that great? Rip. R.I.P. my foot. R.I.P. that pinky O. Or pinky toe. <laughs> R.I.P. that pinky toe, indeed. Um. Um, 
What is some actual good news, though? Um, Steve from Blue's Clues. Oh, I feel like I saw what it. Um. So all all of the Blue's Clues lads. She may have also switched your microphone. Did she? No. No. Okay. Um. Fuck. What was I? Oh, so um, the Blue's Clues for the twenty fifth anniversary. Uh, all of the lads who had hosted Blue's Clues came back for to do some like special episodes. I don't actually know. Um, but what I do know is that a video of Steve, who was the first Blue's Clues man, uh, went like Hang on. totally is, viral. This is, this is my ignorance. Having not watched Blue's Clues since I was a child, mm-hmm. I thought they were all Steve. No. <laughs> I thought they were just all called Steve. There was Steve and Joe and some other guy. Oh. Oops. Who are, who are the other ones? Who was the Blue's Clues when we were kids? So, when did Steve leave Blue's Clues? Because we're... We were watching Blue's Clues in, like, the 2000s, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought they were all. I thought it was like a James like Bond, the Doctor, Doctor Who kind of situation where they were just all Steve, but being played by different actors. Yeah, Steve. Steve was our Blues Clues man. Okay. He, I think. So here's the thing. I remember going into it was either preschool or kindergarten the day after Steve left, and I didn't know. And I remember everybody was freaking out about it. I literally have no memory of that. Um, so I guess we were Steve and Joe. Yeah. But I think but I was more like... more so Steve. Yeah. I was a... We were a Blue's Clues family, and a, I was a Sesame Street and Muppets kid. Mm, yeah. Like, big time. So, that's my I life. I was... I was like a, I was a hardcore like PBS kid. It was all about Arthur and Cyber Chase. Oh, I fucking love Cyber Chase. Oh, and Zoom. Yeah. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. I, I don't know if we have the rights to that, so I'm not gonna. We don't have the rights to anything. Just as an FYI for our dear, dear listeners, wondering what we do and don't have the rights to. We have the rights um, to the music that you've made. Yeah, <laughs> we have the rights to a series of chords. <laughs> We have the rights to um, things that we have done this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So wait, what did um, yeah, Steve anyway. do? So Steve Burns from Blue's Clues, um, uh, he made a, so the video of him went viral. Um, the, and it I, was pretty emotional. Like a lot of people were like, oh my God, I'm crying. Or, oh my God, I didn't realize I still cared about Blue's Clues. It was very cute. Um, basically he was like, Hey, it's me. How are you? Um, and he's like, so basically he was, uh, the, the big talking points for this video. Um, first of all, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. If you watch Blue's Clues. Um, I don't know if you didn't watch Blue's Clues, I don't know if it'll, it'll hit you. Um, but basically, um, he was like, uh, hey, I remember you, which was 
I'm, I'm going to be real. That's when I started tearing up. Mm. And that was the opener. Um, and he's like, and then he was like, basically like, hey, I left kind of abruptly. And we didn't really have time to process the fact that I was leaving. Um, and everyone, everyone was like, yeah, you left. You, you left one day you said you were leaving and the next day you were gone. And now I'm sad. Um, this article calls him uh, the absentee father of Blue's Clues. Um, anyway, <clears throat> he's like, yeah, I left kind of abruptly because I went to go to college. Um, and he and then he was like, I'm not explaining this well. You should just watch the video. But basically he was like, hey, a lot has happened since I left Blue's Clues. And if you're watching this and you were watching Blue's Clues when I was there, hey, a lot has happened in your life since you were watching Blue's Clues. Yeah. And isn't it amazing how much we've all accomplished? And it was very sweet. Hmm. Um, uh, he was, um, Stephen Colbert reacted and he was like, I didn't watch Blue's Clues as a kid. I won't care. Um, and he watches it and like comically sobs or whatever. Um, but the big thing is he, he gets the end of it. He's like, I don't even care. I don't even care about Steve from Blue's Clues. And then Steve from Blue's Clues shows up on the set and <laughs> is like, oh, really, Steven? Um, I thought it was cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're all, we're all, <laughs> um, we're living in fucking wild times as evidenced by last week's episode, ah! but there's Sorry, still... my mic fell over. <laughs> We're living in fucking wild times, but there are still wonderful and good and sweet things in the universe. Oh yeah, I'm really, okay. I'm really excited about my article this week. Nice. Like really excited, mostly because I have a bunch of headlines about this topic to read that are all fucking wild. Um, and then we'll get into, like, the actual sort of what the article is, like, the topic. But, oh, my God. Do you – what do you want to do? You want to go first? What's yours? Mine's um, very fun. I'm trying to find – I had one. I don't know where it went. I have so many good headlines and very few articles. I'll go with this one. I, I don't have anything like serious. I just have some fun. Okay, we can um, do we so can I can do go mine. first or second. We can do mine first. I feel like we'll talk about mine more. Okay. Um, because it could lead us into some some fun topics. Um, so should I read the headline of the actual article that I'm reading and then read some of the other headlines? Yeah. Yeah. Capybaras tear up lawns, disrupt traffic in wealthy gated complex. Have you, have you heard about this? No. Okay. So I'll read some of the other headlines. Attack of the giant rodents or, so that headline, the first one was from, is the from the article I'm going to be reading, which is from the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by Hillary Hansen. Um, the other ones, I, I'll just say where they're from. I won't go through the, the whole thing um, of who they're by. So this one is from The Guardian. Attack of the giant rodents or class warfare? Argent- Argentina's rich 
riled by new neighbors. In Argentina, giant, giant rodents vie for rich, vie with the rich for top real estate. That's from France 24. Giant rodents reclaim habitat despite wealthy human neighbors. That's from the New York Post. Um, business insider, Argentina, cap, Ar Argentina, colon, capybaras, the world's largest rodents reoccupy rich suburb, USA Today, capybara part population wreak havoc in wealthy community in Argentina. The world's large, live science, the world's largest rodents are taking over a fancy gated community in Argentina. Good for them, From honestly. Gizmodo. Capybaras are waging class warfare in Argentina. <laughs> so we'll get into why all of these articles are saying, like, this is class warfare and everything. Um, it's, mm -hmm. and this is why I wanted to read it, because I think this is amazing and um, indicative of larger problems with development. And I think this mm. is sick that the capybaras are just like, fuck it, here we are. Um so, displaced from their wetland habitats, the giant rodents are antagonizing residents of Argentina's Nor-Delta Nor community. The manicured lawns and daily routines of a wealthy complex in Argentina are being foiled by one of the area's original residents, the capybara. Also, can I just say, I really love capybaras. They're so... They're freaking, big old guinea pigs. They're really, really big rodents. They're very big guinea pigs. They're very cute. Um, built in the 1990s in Buenos Aires, in the Buenos Aires province, the Nor, Nor Delta complex is made up of multiple gated communities and house, houses thousands of residents. The, excuse me. The capybara, the South American animal that that that's frequently a star of viral videos and memes is the world's largest rodent ongoing disharmony between the two has been documented in multiple stories by argentinian newspaper la nanquain and picked up by numerous english language news outlets over the past few weeks herds of capybara known in the region as Carpinchos, I do not speak Spanish, have been clashing with Nordelta's human residents. The bigger herbivores have been repeatedly ripping up lawns, pooping all over the place, <laughs> causing traffic jams, and in some cases, oh, this isn't good, biting pet dogs. That's not, mm. that's not good, but um, the interspecies tensions have ratcheted up as the complex continues to expand into the animal's natural habitat. The capybaras were always here, Nordelta resident Perla Paggi told Argen, uh, Agents France Press, Agents France Press. Okay. <laughs> Have not read French. French. Jesus. My God, I'm still drunk from last night, even though I didn't drink that much last night. <laughs> I had two drinks. I went out to a bar last night with my mom, and I didn't drink that much. Anyway, um, we always saw them from time to time, but three or four months ago, builders went for their last remaining stronghold, um, and the stampede began. 
God, these pictures are really cute. Incredible. Um, additionally, the capybaras have now have a few uh, have few predators around as carnivores like jaguars, uh, pumas, and wild dogs have become more scarce as a result of human activity. Due to the circumstances, the capybaras ha- have many defenders and now even outright fans. It's not an invasion, Argentine uh, Ariel Fernandez told USA Today. That was the capybara's land years ago before the rich community was built before the rich community built homes on top of wetlands. So a lot of us in Argentina are rooting for these capybaras to mess with the rich and out of touch. They're wreaking havoc. Incredible. Yeah. Um, those taking the capybara side include scientists, Sebastian DiMartino, biologist and conservation director at Rewilding Argentina Foundation, who told the AFP that Nord Nor Delta was built over an exceptionally rich wetland that should never have been touched. And ecologist Enrique Viale, who is fighting over a law to protect wetlands, who told The Guardian that it would be backwards to say that the capybaras are invading the community. It's the other way around. Nor Delta invaded the ecosystem of the capybaras, he said. And that's the end of that's the end of my article. But some mm-hmm. of some of the other articles have gone more in depth and have videos. But so basically, to sum up, <laughs> in summation, this huge, enormous gated community um, was built on these wetlands years ago, where the capybara live, where so many other species, but but the capybara is one uh, live. And now, partially due to the fact that the capybara now have fewer natural predators, mm-hmm. they have sort of just been like, well, here we go, free food. It's free real estate. Exactly. Uh, and they're now going back in and they're just like, well, time to snack. And I believe the the capybaras are also a... I don't know if they're a protected species, but my guess is that they probably are so that um, people can't, can't, like, out outright. Remove them? Yeah, it's, people can't, you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to go, like, yeah. You can't lay capybara traps in your neighborhood. Yeah, unlike, so, like, as I've talked about previously, Mm -hmm. in the United States, with deer and how deer are like a legitimate problem and over browsing Mm. is quite dangerous and bad for forests like the deer are a huge problem everywhere and it's really bad because we got rid of all of the deer's predator um this is like a different situation and i just think it's really really funny that um That this is happening. And that the capybara are just like, well, I live here now. This is my home. And you can go away now. Mm -hmm. I want the capybaras to live there forever. I'm fully in support of class warfare. They're so cute, too. 
side note, there's the the humming of bugs happening in my neighborhood that was sudden and very loud. There's some like there's... cicada song oh, or something. God. But now it's gone. There's this video on the the article from The Guardian of people I mean don't feed wild animals, first of all. First of all, yeah. don't, I'm not encouraging this, but this video is pretty cute of people feeding this capybara grass and, and giving it water. And I'm just like, you know what? Good for these guys. Good for I, these guys. The feeding of grass is really, is especially funny because like, there's like, they don't need you to rip up the grass for them. No, they can do it themselves. Um, I also just think that the headlines about like, they're waging class warfare iconic good for them good for them um yeah i I too would rage class wage class warfare Mm. not good that they're you know like biting dogs here's here's another headline capybaras are leading a socialist revolution in argentina incredible (laughs) incredible i think this one has some tweets in it even the capybara want to eat the rich (laughs) um oh there's a picture of a baby capybara on here sleeping with a kitten it's really cute um but, like, this is what happens, and that's to be a whole, like, nature is healing kind of bitch, because that's not who I am, and also that's, like, ecofascism, um, or, like, when people use that particular rhetoric in that particular way. I'm not going to get into it. It's fine. Um, let's not talk about it. What was I saying? No, like, literally, uh. what was I about to talk about? Oh, but, like, I'm all for this. Do it. Good boys. (laughs) All of them. Invade your local gated community and rip up all the grass. Yeah, if the deer want to... If you are the kind of critter that eats grass. Actually, you know what? If the deer want to invade the local gated community, that I am in support of. And wreak havoc on a gated community. I feel like... I don't know if this is, like, a thing outside of North America, but I feel like there's a lot of deer-based horror. Like, Like, for example, in the scene, in in the game, Spooky's Jump Scare Mansion, or Spooky's House of Jump Scares HD Renovation, whatever it's called, um, there's a bit where you go outside and you're in the woods and there's tons of deer, and if you get too close to them, you start dying, and... The implication is that the deer are attacking you. They're just moving too fast for you to see it. That's freaky. Um, Or like in the TV show, The Hundred, um, when they're establishing the fact that there's something wrong with the world. um, Well, so they they like touch down on the world that's been like dealing with nuclear radiation. And I don't think that's how nuclear radiation works. But they see a deer and they're like, oh, this is a cool, safe place to live. And it turns and it's got three faces fused onto one skull. Yeah, I remember that. It was like, ah, it's got three heads. Fuck. Yeah. Weird. 
I don't know. Or just like, there's something wrong with the deer is a very common horror trope. I feel. Yeah, because there's so fucking many of them. They're they're everywhere, and they're a good indicator of what's going on. What's going on? If some, it's they're like cockroaches. If something's gonna survive, like an <laughs> apocalypse, it's gonna be the deer. But also, a might... game where you have to hunt deer for meat. But also, it's like probably not going to be the deer because one of the problems with the deer population is here's the thing you learn when you're like working in land management. One of the things you learn very quickly is that because there are so many, like a lot of the deer are like sick and dying. Yeah. Because there's not enough food and resources for the deer because mm-hmm. there are too many of them and yeah. not enough green space for the deer or natural predation for them. Yeah. Reintroduce more wolves. wolves. Wow. Wow. Great. Uh, this great is mind. a pro wolf podcast. This is a pro wolf podcast, but not. In a furry way? Not in a furry way, but also not in a, like, weird Twilight kind of way. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, not, definitely not, we're not, ew. (laughs) Now you have me thinking about furries. I wonder if anybody's fursona is a capybara. I'm sure there's somebody. Is it capybara or capybara? I've heard it both ways. Um, Also, I was telling Kat about this earlier, speaking of furry things that are really cute. I watched um, the Paddington movies last night with my mom for the first time, which I don't know why it took me so long. Um, 100, 100 out of 10, perfect mm-hmm. perfect movies. Literally, Paddington 2 was so good. Yeah. It was, you know what I watched recently? What? I saw, I watched the 2011 version of Much Ado About Nothing with David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The stage production one? Yeah, like the professionally filmed stage production one. Um, It's... I'm not normally much of a Shakespeare person. I think he's fine. It's Shakespeare's fine. It's the thing... Here's the thing about Shakespeare. I don't know if this is, like... This shouldn't be a controversial opinion. Um, Can we just have... Can we just, like, put a full stop on white men producing Shakespeare. I think, also, also full stop, no more reading Shakespeare for school. If you want your kids to consume Shakespeare for school, have them watch a filmed production. There's a zillion of them. Yeah. And it's so much easier to follow when people are saying it out loud. Oh my God. And like doing the stage productions, especially when you've got like a good cast, it's funny and engaging and you know exactly what's going on, even if you yeah. don't know what the words are. And if you want to analyze the words, give them a copy of the, the play and to have follow, them follow along with. Along. And then, like, if you want to talk about a scene, pause this, pause the movie and go through it line by line and then talk about, like, how the... I, I guess this is less English and more, like, drama, but talk about how the actors make it clear the meaning of the text based on intonation and pacing. Yeah, like, I'm so sick of... I had such a hard... Like, if you have any sort of reading or learning disability and you have to read Shakespeare, it's a fucking nightmare. Truly. It's truly a nightmare unless you get a... Unless you watch it or yeah. you get an audiobook... Sorry, there's so many noises happening right now. <laughs> unless you get... Or an audiobook recording with a full cast. 
Yeah. And then it's usually fine. Like, that's what I yeah, did in it's, high school. It's, it's, it's not meant to be read. It's no. meant to be they're seen pl- and listened they're to. They're plays. They're fucking plays. Anyway. Um, same thing. Same thing with fucking Carmen. I don't know if you had to read Carmen in French class. But um, that is that is a, good, a whole ass opera. I wasn't in. I wasn't in honors. I wasn't smart. I wasn't in honors either, and we still read Carmen. You did? No, yeah. we read Tintin. We also read Tintin. Yeah, we weren't. We did um, Tintin. We did Les Mis, which sucked. Oh, um, what was it? It's fucking Eponine a Mar- Marcus. Yeah. Um, we did Les Mis. Like. A- not the whole Les Mis, just a couple chapters. No, we, we did Les Mis is so fucking long. No, we didn't do all of Les Mis. Um, and my teacher did a... We we read it, but we also read, like, a graphic novel version of Les Mis. Oh, nice! Yeah, I had a different CP French teacher than you did. Yeah. Well, so I, I did honors freshman and sophomore years, and then I did conversation and culture. Yeah. I um. was never ever in honors as opposed French. to ap he's never in um, honors or ap french i wasn't that smart um, i i was a dis listen i was a dyslexic bitch i could never get a really good <laughs> grasp on the french speaking i was fine and, and hearing i was fine but i could never get a really good grasp on the written written french because it looks to me like a bumblefuckery of Letters. It's just a bunch of letters. Letters and sounds. And when I would ask my French teachers, I'd be like, can you explain why it's written like this? They'd just be like, because it's, they want it to sound good. So it's written, joyeux is written like A-U-E-X. And I'm like, yeah, why? The French really spoke their language before they wrote any of it down. And they were like, we need to make it really clear how many sounds go into this one vowel sound. So we're just going to put all of the vowels. It, I'd be like, I'd look at a word and I'd be like, no. <laughs> Brain says no today. Um, and so it would be a lot of, it was a lot of memorization, which was really yeah. hard. Which is why when I got to C&C, conversation and that whole thing, when we were like watching a lot of movies and reading graphic novels, especially when we were doing Tantan, because I had read those as a kid, mm. um, I was like, oh. Great, now this is, now I'm thriving. Now I'm where I should be. Um, And then when I got to German, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to have a phonetic language. (laughs) And Um, then, but the problem with German is that German grammar is, like, super confusing. They have, like, 40 cases and tenses for, like, random things. And I'm just like, this is really dumb. I've been trying to learn Greek. I don't have a good reason for why I was trying to... I mean, I am Greek, so, like, there's that. But, like, I just kind of spontaneously decided to try to learn Greek. Um, but I'm friends with my mom on Duolingo, so she saw that I was trying to learn Greek. Uh-oh. So now I have to commit to it, because I don't want to disappoint her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's also... It's just fun to try and learn a language. Yeah. Um, but... I feel like I should be doing, like, Duolingo or Babbel or something to, like, keep up my... German in between now and whenever. I like Duolingo because I am afraid of the owl. So when the owl shows up in my notifications, I have to practice Greek. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I don't want to disappoint the owl. It also helps to have, like, 
friends on Duolingo. Because then if you do, if you've got like a good streak going, your friends will send you congrats. Maybe I'll friend you on Duolingo. Yeah. Um, this is not an ad for Duolingo, by the way. No. It's free. We're hashtag um. not sponsored by Duolingo. Anyway, should we... We've gotten so far off of where we were. I was Capybara. talking about Capybara. I was talking about Paddington. Um, mm. Really, really oh, good movie. But I was talking about the Catherine Tate, David Tennant, Much Ado. Oh, and I, I said just... that get white men out of Shakespeare, which I yes. fully, fully, fully stand by. Because I went to see, when I was in Germany, mm-hmm. one of the one things I got to do when I was in Germany, I went to see a production of, oh, what's the, Twelfth Night? That's the one where, yeah. with the, all of the cross-dressing. They all have a lot yeah. of cross-dressing, but that one especially has got a lot of cross-dressing. And it was produced by... If you've seen the movie She's the Man, She's the Man is based off of Twelfth Night. Yeah. It it was produced by um, all either... It was... The whole production team was um, queer. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of them were trans and it was really cool. Um, and the it wasn't in german it was in english Mm -hmm. but the the way that they did it was just like it was not like any other production of 12th night i'd ever seen before and it was just so good and i was like no straight white guy or even a queer white guy no like the the director was a trans woman um Mm -hmm. and i was like no white guy no dude like, no white dude could ever come up with this. This is just, like, so good and so funny. And they did a pretty straight reading of, like, the text. But, mm-hmm. like, the actors were just really, really, really good at doing what they were doing. And I don't know, it's because, maybe it's because they also all had German accents. So, like, the way they were reading it mm-hmm. was also that played into it too but it was just like it just fully cemented like hey can we get white men out of shakespeare apart from shakespeare (laughs) Um, like let's be honest shakespeare that man he wasn't straight um i just want to throw out there um one of my favorite things um is during the masquerade um scene um Catherine Tate is straight up just, like, wearing a suit. She's not, like, doing a masquerade. She's just wearing a suit. (laughs) And David Tennant, he takes it off pretty quickly. But he's wearing a curly blonde wig, giant sparkly sunglasses, a sequin crop top over a mesh shirt, a denim mini skirt over, like, ripped tights, and red Doc Martens. And if that ain't gender. um, (laughs) Yeah. It, it just, it's like, I'm not saying. Just, he also, he also wears a, a Superman shirt and jorts <laughs> for a scene. Yeah. I listen, and I'm not saying And slowly becomes get, covered in white paint. I'm not saying get, like, white men out of acting in Shakespeare. Like, that's never going to happen. But, like. Just make the directors and producers. Like, production team, the people who are, like, making Shakespeare. It, it just mm-hmm. is so much more. Int- like, every time I've gone to see a production, a Shakespeare production, where 
the director has been a white guy. It's just always been so stale. I'm just like, this is the most boring take you could have done on mm-hmm. something that is, oh, let me let me just check. Oh, yeah, like 500 years old. Right. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. This is, this is dull. And be like, oh, this is like stale bread. And like, I remember Midsummer Night's Dream, like one of the least boring ones. Mm-hmm. I was like sitting there watching this production and I was like, this is really boring. I am very bored. I wasn't even a... Midsummer Night's Dream is at its best when there is the implication of somebody doing ecstasy. Oh, yeah. And I was, like, watching it, and I was like, they made the Puck, who's the person who's playing Puck in this, they made Puck boring and unattractive. And I'm like, what is this? And then I saw the director, and I was like, you are a 60-something-year-old, like, theater dude. Not that you don't have interesting takes, but also, like, this is really dull. Anyway, those are my hard hard thoughts, hot takes on Shakespeare. Um, speaking of theater, here's here's a good transition. Um, uh, so today is September twelfth. This will probably go up tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, this episode, if we had recorded earlier in the week, which we never do these days because we're both busy. Yeah, um, my first week of work was this week. <laughs> rip. Um. Listen, once, oh, I'm, once but... I'm settled down in my job and I've moved into my house, um, my apartment, my where, where I'm living, and I don't have, like, an hour and a half long commute, then we can Oof. record during the week. Yeah. Um, oh, but what I was going to say was, um, so yesterday was 9-11, um, which I'm mentioning, is it's related to theater. Here we go. My brain is... Watch Come From Away, the pro shoot. It's on Apple TV right now. Oh, yeah. Um, If you don't know, Come From Away is a musical um, that, ironically enough, was up against Dear Evan Hansen at the Tonys when it premiered on Broadway um, and lost. But right now, it's doing so much. The Come From Away pro shoot is got like a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, while the Dear Evan Hansen movie is like hovering around fifty percent. So, uh, karma, I guess. Um, Come from away is a musical about all of the planes that got diverted from New York right after nine eleven in the next couple of days, and these uh, pe- the people who took in all of these people who were like their planes got diverted like right i'm not explaining this well it's a very good musical yeah it it, it is it's really good it deserved better than how it did originally and i'm so glad that the pro shoot is out and available another hot take not a hot take uh another not hot take hot take is that um the dear evan hansen movie should not exist and also, movie adaptations of musicals maybe shouldn't really exist. I disagree. Well, they should in certain circumstances. But I think, like, I wish more people were doing pro shoots of yeah. 
I like musicals. a pro shoot of a stage projection rather than a film adaptation. That's what I mean. But because, like, I understand that sometimes a film adaptation is better for the story. Yeah. Because the like the pro shoot can't capture the energy. Yeah. So I they think have it, to change it. I think it really depends because I I really like pro shoots because I think they make things like Broadway accessible to people who yeah. wouldn't otherwise. Let's make theater more accessible. Yeah. Yeah, so, and and I think going to watch, if you can watch the Come From Away pro shoot and the pro shoots of really, like, any musical you can get your hands on, it'll make um, things more accessible, and they'll yeah. do more pro shoots in the future. So, yeah, do that. I know the, so the Come From Away pro shoot is on Apple TV+, Plus, which I'm pretty sure you can get a free trial of, mm-hmm. um, and it's... While you have that free trial active, also watch Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Yeah, also watch Ted Lasso. Um, That's another plug for that. Um, And don't watch Dear Evan Hansen because it's terrible. And honestly... You know what's a better musical about mental health than Dear Evan Hansen? Beetlejuice. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. It sounds like a joke because the whole thing is like Beetlejuice is a play about death, whatever. There are literally like three songs in Beetlejuice about how, like, you shouldn't kill yourself. Yeah. Whereas Dear Evan Hansen has none. Let's be honest. Also, from everything that I've been seeing recently, um, not only was the musical, but also the adaptation of film, it was fairly anti-black. I believe that. Um, And, I mean, I haven't seen... I haven't listened to any of the songs from the movie or the musical. I am not at all invested in it. And I think I'd like to keep it that way. Also, like, let's be honest. From everything that I've seen, I've seen just a couple of TikToks about it. Um, ben Pop playing a 17-year-old seems like the least of its sins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, that's weird. It's a bad musical that's being made... Excuse me. That is being made into somehow... A worse, a worse movie? adaptation. Yeah. My God. Um, I just the thing about I've said it before and I'll say it again. The thing about Dear Evan Hansen is the only the like the thing that they do is they're like basically if you have mental health issues, your best option is to kill yourself. That's the message of the musical. It's fucked. shitty. It's really fucked. Like the only the only character with mental health issues that has a happy ending is the one who kills himself and then gets romanticized upon reflection that's fucked up yeah hey what listen to beetlejuice instead listen to beetlejuice instead and also hang on because that musical is about how lydia is depressed and how being goth makes her less depressed that's not actually what it's about but also if you are struggling with suicidal mental health thoughts or that kind of thing the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one zero. No, is eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Can you repeat that? Yeah, eight zero zero two seven that and, will also be in the de- episode description. Yeah, it's available 24 um, hours a day. So do yeah. that there is somebody there. And I think 
so something that I think about a lot from the show, um, Russian Doll. Spoilers for Russian Doll. Not huge ones, but there's a moment in the show where somebody's talking about suicide and they say, if I don't kill myself, do you promise I'll be happy? And Natasha Leon's character says, um, no, of course I can't promise that you'll be happy, but I can promise that you won't be alone. Yeah. And I think about that, not that I'm suicidal, but I just think about that a lot is that yeah. you might not be happy, but you won't be alone. And I also think about this. This is something that I said. The grass might not be greener on the other side, but it will be different grass. Yeah. Also, grass is greener where you water it. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, I think this is good time. Also, grass is bad. Also, but... grass is... Um, <laughs> plant wildflowers instead of grass. Yeah. Um, yeah, There's so there's a song called What I Know Now in Beetlejuice, and it is one of my favorite musical songs, and it's Lydia is in the underworld, and there's all these dead people being like, why would you want to be dead? Like... When your dad plays, like, there's nothing here. Like, you're alone, and... It's boring. It's boring, yeah. Like, <laughs> at least in your life, there's variety and change in other people. In death, it's not like that. Yeah. And it it's it's a really good... Beetlejuice is weirdly wholesome. Yeah. I've, I've gotten I've, that vibe. I really like it as a musical. I'm I'm um, not I I'm not a like listening to musicals kind of person. That's fair. Um should we move into the middle bit? Yeah. We've already sort of done a little bit of the middle bit. Um so I have a headline without context, which is somewhat related to what we were talking about. Oh, do we want to do the other stuff for the middle bit first? Sure. Um okay, as always, um, given that we are sponsored by water, I feel like it's necessary to continue to mention, um, go to stopline3.org to find resources to help stop line three. Um, I don't remember the number for calling the White House off the top of my head, but it is in- Oh, I have it saved in our Discord. It's, uh, area code 202-456-1111. That is area code 202-456-1111. Brilliant. Thank you. That goes... It'll also be in the episode description. Yeah, that goes directly to the White House. Joe Biden's cell phone. His personal phone. His personal cell phone. Um, That he does not answer. Yes. (laughs) Somebody else answers that. Um, What else? I feel like I had other things I want to talk about. Stop line three. Um... Um... I probably should ask, you know what, I'll, I'll hold off on this, talking about this. There was somebody I wanted to shout out this week, but I have not asked if they'd like to be shouted out, so Fair. I will hold um, off on giving this person a shout out. But... We also, we brought up Twilight, even in passing, Oh but yeah. that means we have to mention Move to Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. Um, that is our, that is this podcast's rule. Thank um, you. Did we, did we, uh, no, we didn't. We talked about werewolves. No, we ta- talked about. And then tw- you brought, brought up Twilight. We werewolves. talked about Twilight, but I was trying to think about if we brought up Harry Potter, but now that I've mentioned Harry Potter. Um, yeah. Mermaids. I, mermaids. I feel like it's sort of um, in the discussion because we were talking about theater a little bit and um, 
fucking. You know what the best Harry Potter play is? Oh, Potter, not Potter Puppet Pals. Um, I mean Potter Puppet Pals is amazing. No, uh, um, a very Potter, Potter musical. musical. Yeah, I uh, know. Um, but Twilight. That's canon to me. Um, Move to Higher Ground is the the real Quileute tribes um campaign to move. Um, their historical museum and parts of their reservation to uh, higher areas away from low-line um, coastal areas. Mm-hmm. I totally lost my brain there. Um, but move to higherground.org is... The- uh, it is... I believe it's just... mthg.org. mthg.g.org. Um for information about that mermaids uh in the uk because i just brought up mm, yeah her mermaids uk.org.uk yeah um yeah so like also um if there is something going on in your part of the world or your community that you want to draw attention to or you want us to talk about or an organization or charity that you feel um, is aligned with the I- ideals of this podcast, send us an email or tweet us at HYHTGN on Twitter or HYHTGNpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, at HYHTGNpodcast at gmail.com or at HYHTGNpodcast on Twitter. Yep. And again, because uh, I think it's important because we were talking about mental health and suicide earlier, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. Um, also, if you, are, if you want to help with queer suicide prevention, Trevor, the Trevor Project. Trevor Project, yes. Love the Trevor Project. Um or if you, I'm pretty, if you are queer and need somebody to talk to the, and you want to like specifically have somebody who um, is well-versed on queer issues, uh, the Trevor Project has resources for available for you on their website. Yeah. Trevor Project um, also has a hotline. Yeah. It is 866-488-7386. Yes. Um, what was else? Oh, I was also going to throw out there. Um, if you want to write a letter to your representatives, um, but you don't know how or what to do, um, resist bot. Um, I message them on Facebook. I message the resist bot through Facebook, but there's a number you can text. Um, a lot of times if there's a major issue, um, that a lot of people are talking about, you can Google and see if the if ResistBot has a code word. That's I'm saying this wrong. Um, here, a number. I'm just gonna guess. Well, so ResistBot has a number that you can call or not call text. Give me a sec. I'm all over the place. Um, yeah, they have one for. I just looked up uh, ResistBot under petitions. So if you go to yeah. resist.bot slash petitions, um, they have a bunch of them that you can see. They have one for line three. Um, they have uh, one to improve the SSI recovery bill. So that's mm-hmm. um, 
about disability, poverty. Um, yeah. I can't believe I haven't been talking about that. Um, they have one for the to the U.S. Senate to support the John Lewis Voting Rights uh, Advancement Act. They have a ton. Um, so if you, if you are, if you want to do something and you don't have money and you don't know where to start, I would highly recommend looking at ResistBot's petitions. Um, and you can look and see if there's something that you feel passionate about or just something that's interesting to you and you can read up on their information. And then you can, for example, text SSI bill to ResistBot and they will automatically generate a letter for you that you can just sign and send. Yep. Um, Super handy. Uh, we live in a wonderful time. I mean, we live in a complicated time, but there's lots of ways that you can help people and be active and engage with issues um, that are accessible to everyone. Yeah. What's middle bit? Oh, no, that's this is middle bit. What's headline? Um, so this is a bit of a throwback. This is from January 2020. Oh, damn. But it is relevant to the fact... Here, I'll just I'll read the headline. Oops. This is from Vulture.com. Oops. Halsey is very sorry for accidentally calling for another 9-11. Oh, my God. I remember this. I remember when this happened. Um... <laughs> Did you see this? Did you see this TikTok? Did you see the TikTok about this? Did you send that to I me? I think so. Maybe. Okay. Should we give some context for this? I mean, yeah, sure. I don't need to um, read. You don't have to read the article. I know the story. Okay. So basically, Halsey's last album came out and Pitchfork, the music uh, magazine, um, didn't like it. And I forget what they call Like, I forget exactly what they called it. Um, but they just didn't like it. And so Halsey tweeted that, um, the basement that Pitchfork is run out of should collapse. Or the building that Pitchfork runs its basement out of should collapse. Not knowing that the basement that Pitchfork runs its magazine out of is run out of one World Trade Center in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the building that was built in place of, um, I don't know if you know about this, um, the Twin Towers. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm sure she thought that Pitchfork was run out of some fucking building in, like, Cleveland, which yeah. I don't pick Cleveland at random. It's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. So, like, yes. But I'm sure she did not think that Pitchfork was run out of the basement of um, the World Trade Center. But she basically said, if you're ever in Cleveland, you should check out the Rock and no, Roll. It is pretty, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. I fucking love it there. It's pretty cool. It's a very cool museum. I have a, a pin of it on my pin lamp. Oh, nice. Um, I used to have a hat from there. I Anyway. Anyway, so she then had to, you know, like backtrack on her... And, and, like, tweet an apology being, like, I'm very sorry for tweeting. I didn't know and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry about calling for a second 9-11 by accident. Oopsie doopsie. Um, Oopsie daisy. Also, we should just say 9-11. Very sad. Don't joke about 9-11. Um, unless you or a family member or somebody you know was affected deeply by 
9-11. Like, I'm fine when um, Pete Davidson makes jokes about 9-11. That's cool. His dad died in 9-11. Good for Pete. I did not know that. Yeah, his dad was a firefighter. Good. Uh, Pete Davidson's not my style of comedy, but, like, when Pete Davidson makes jokes about 9-11, I'm like, that's that's coping through trauma right there with you. <laughs> like, I get that. I make jokes about Jewish trauma all the time. I get it. I understand. Um, but, like, when other people make jokes about 9-11, I'm like, that's not cool. That not only did thousands of people die, that um, spurred us into going into the largest war the U.S. has ever been in and also made us justify Guantanamo Bay to yeah. horrible, terrible disgusting things that the united states has done and also just like colonial capitalist endeavors that bush was like hey this thing happened now i'm gonna try to get more oil 9-11 has been used as an excuse for the u.s to commit atrocity for the past 20 years yeah pretty much um and uh don't argue with me about that this is a hill i will die on and like yeah also i hate fuck the military veterans deserve more respect than they're getting in this country but like fuck the military yeah i don't mean people who have served in the country and come back and gotten fucked over by the government but like yeah. fuck them but like fuck them seriously fuck the military yeah and they used 9-11 as like a oh yeah political tool Should but but like retrospectively let's pressure be- young impressionable people mostly people of color into giving up their lives for a country that's not that's, Gonna, doesn't that doesn't care about them, them. Um, but like retrospectively, this is hilarious. Halsey, um, this is yeah. the funniest thing she's ever done in her entire life. Their entire life. What pronouns is Halsey using? I think it's she/her, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. Halsey, let's. Halsey pronouns. She and they. Okay. Okay. Just want to. Um, I just want to make sure because I had heard. I had heard that they were going by yeah. both, so I wanted to make sure. Halsey is using she and they. Okay. Anyway, this is, I thought this was, this mean when this happened, I remember when this happened. It, I didn't want to read it. Uh, I thought about it for the show, and then I it's, thought, mm. It's not quite enough for a full article. Yeah. Know? I didn't think, save it for the day after, and I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it is topical. Yeah. Um, side note, do you remember... I'm Googling this. I thought you were about to ask me, do you remember 9-11? No, I don't. I was one. No, no, that's not what I... Um... I was a baby. What a, like, weird... thing that happened in our life, though. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. That's a thing to, I don't, we're done. I, I'm done with that topic. Anyway, I just, I wonder. Go- one sec, I have to do some Googling real quick. I wonder if they um, think about when they tweeted about at calling for another 9-11 by, by accident. Halsey, not you can Google Halsey 911. Yeah, you can. Do you remember 
Uh, when, she didn't. What school she, was okay, it? Okay, if you Google Halsey 9/11, the, there's a BuzzFeed article. Halsey accidentally tweeted a terrible 9/11 joke. It's not a 9/11 joke. I think she genuinely. I. Uh, she definitely didn't. She wouldn't have tweeted that. I feel like. I don't. If they had known. I don't think Halsey would have made a joke like that. Um, she tweeted, "Can the basement?" they run pitchfork out of just collapse already. Um, I don't think she realized that pitchfork is run out of one world trade center, which is it's a, cause it's a Condé Nast publication and that's where Condé mm. Nast headquarters is. Um, it's a, that's, I think that's hilarious. Anyway. Um, do you remember? So, it was okay. In 2013, which school was it? CCHS, Concord Carlisle High School. Yeah. Um, on 9/11, they had a student read a poem about Islamophobia, and forgot to do the Pledge of Allegiance, and it made national headlines. I heard about that. I remember everybody was talking about it. Yeah, it was CCHS. Um, the, the on 9/11 in 2013, uh, they had the poem "My Grandmother Washes Her Feet in the Sink of the Bathroom at Sears" uh, by Moja Kaf uh, was read over the school's intercom on Wednesday, September 11th. Um, and they did not do the Pledge of Allegiance that day, and everybody lost their goddamn minds. For the record. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was an accident. Like, they didn't do that deliberately. Um, the student pledge leader for that day was out sick. Oh, no, no, no. They had an internship and was not in school that day. And they didn't realize that the person in charge of reading the pledge wasn't going to be in school. And so the pledge didn't get read. Oof a scoofa. Yeah, that's that's what I think of when people talk about 9-11. Is that one time a town in Massachusetts went viral for not saying the pledge on 9-11. Oopsie daisy. Oopsie daisy, we did a communism. <laughs> quote unquote. Um, for the record, Sophia did like scare quotes around the word communism. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because that's, um, that's what like, that's what like right-wing people think communism is, like, not saying the oh, Pledge yeah. of Allegiance and instead talking about very legitimate problems that Muslim and Sikh people face especially yeah. around 9-11. Yep. Every single year. Hate crimes mm -hmm. go up against Muslim and Sikh people or anybody who um, covers their hair, wears a turban. Anybody. Um, anybody that they think looks... Middle Eastern. Yeah. Honestly. No, pretty much. Um, um, are you ready for something entirely different? <laughs> completely different. Let's go for it. Um, do you want to hear about the traffic patrol officer of a school in New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, wait. Hang on. Um, speaking of New Zealand, I was reminded of, <laughs> of this. Um, did you... I was reminded of this. I was watching... 
um, one of Noel Miller's videos. Did mm-hmm. you ever, and he was talking about this, and it triggered a, like, memory in my brain, because he was talking about the drunk driving PSA from New Zealand that, like, went viral, the ghost chips PSA. Did you ever see it? I have no idea. Because I remember watching it. And I remember the, I don't think it was New Zealand. Maybe it was Australian. uh, Watch out for cyclists. That, um, how many passes does the team in white make? Oh, yeah. The moonwalking. The correct answer was 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? The, The bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll send you the. I think, I mean, we don't like cops on this podcast, but New Zealand also had an incredible, um, like, cop, either, like, recruitment or training video a while ago that was, like, crazy good um, and, like, really funny. And we don't like cops on this podcast, but it was, like, they were, like, doing this epic chase and it was to like the the outcome of it was to return a like ball to a child incredible yeah because like there's not that there's no crime in new zealand but there's not a lot Um, i imagine that like in new zealand and also australia animal control is probably more well armed than the cops like i don't have evidence to back that up i just feel like it should be true you know It was a recruit. It was a recruitment video. I found it and I'll send it to you. It was very, very, very good. Okay. You just missed my my whole joke. Wait, no, sorry. It started playing. I'm really sorry. Wait, take it again. <laughs> I said, um, I don't know that this is true, but it feels like it should be true that animal control is more well armed than the cops in Australia and New Zealand. Well, not New Zealand. New Zealand doesn't have anything going on in it except sheep. They lost a war to emu. That was Australia. No, I'm pretty sure that was New Zealand. No, it was Australia. I'm Googling. I'm right. Austra- New Zealand really doesn't have anything going on for it except mountains. Yeah, you were right. Except mountains and sheep. It's Australia that's got all the fucking wild... I thought they both had scary monsters. No, all, all New Zealand really has is, is the uh, kiwi. Mm. They just really have sheep and kiwi. Not the fruit, the bird. Oh, they used to have big scary predator birds. The moa. Yeah. But they went extinct. Anyway. So New Zealand. Anyway. So New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand traffic patrol officer. New- um, New- so this article. New Ze- so New Zealand. I cannot do an accent. Don't do an accent. I could, but I won't. Um, my basis for, like, a Kiwi accent is just going to be H2O, which is not... That's also Australian. I, I'm aware of that. However, that's what I got, is H2O. That's, See, my, it's, my baseline started with... Um, Korg, played by Taika Waititi, mm. who is Australian, and then I just sort of went like normal, and mm. watched a 
couple of Australian TV shows. Um, like H2O. <laughs> uh, Exit. So this leave comes your doors us. on the wall. Get out. Uh, so the um, this article comes to us from the Washington Post. Um, it is by Kathy Free. The traffic patrol officer at this school is a chicken and it wears a fluorescent vest. Excuse me? Hang on. I was not expecting that. Um, Tracy Trigg. Hold on. I need a second to process that. I was so not expecting a chicken. (laughs) I was like, are we really talking about like cops on our podcast? And like. He's not a cop. He's a traffic. All right. Cop adjacent. But it's a chicken, so it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like traffic people near schools are never, like, actual cops. No, they're, they're like, not. old ladies who volunteer. That's usually true. Um, That's fair. Uh, Tracy Trigg owns a small farm with an adjoining preschool in Newstead, New Zealand. Each morning, she personally dresses the traffic patrol officer in a fluorescent vest. The traffic patrol officer is a hen. The hen is named, wait for it, Henry... Henry was named by the students. Um, Can I see a picture? Are there pictures? Oh, of course there's pictures. <gasps> She's wonderful. She is a chicken wearing a yellow vest for yeah. People it's a to know. it's a reddish brown chicken wearing like a neon yellow traffic vest. Um. Since January, the uniformed chicken has encouraged drivers to use extra caution in the parking lot at the rural Newstead Newstead Country Preschool. Newstead Country Preschool, which Trigg started with her family in 1997. Uh, Henry struts around the parking area, approaching cars, squawking, and greeting students for about 15 minutes before the school day begins at 8 a.m. Incredible. Imagine you're taking your, like, nephew to school and you haven't been warned that there's a chicken in a neon vest driving around the pre- running around the preschool parking lot. I would be delighted, honestly. Oh, yeah? It would be amazing. I... I just uh, love... Bur- I, not, not... I just love chickens. Yeah. Uh, Henry Stretzer... Oh, I said that already. Um, motorists in the area drive very carefully, knowing that Henry is on patrol. I mean, it makes sense. A beloved chicken is wandering around. You know to drive slowly. This is like on our street. Do you remember? You know Sadie, the cat? Yeah. This is like, I am always very careful. She's, she lives on the corner of our street. And I'm always very careful around that particular corner because I'm always like, well, got to be careful of Sadie. There are, one of my parents' neighbors got chickens recently. And they just let them loose in the neighborhood. So every time I'm driving around my parents' neighborhood, I'm like, I have to be really slow. I have to, I always drive really slow. I mean, I was already driving slow because they're small children, but now they're small children and also chickens. Yeah. Th- them. Gotta be careful. Them chickens. Chickies. Uh, mostly, she likes to take her time crossing the drive and inspecting the cars, said Trig, 49, who is principal of the preschool, which has 37 children. Henry, a brown shaver hen, began her patrol duties shortly after she flew the coop one day to join the preschoolers at playtime on the 15-acre farm. Incredible. I wish my preschool had chickens. So do I, honestly. 
Um, she became an overnight celebrity in Newstead, which has a population of about 1,500, when a nine-year-old reporter from Key Kids News did a story in mid-August about the unusual security chicken. There's certainly been a lot of international... There certainly has been a lot of international interest, Trigg said. It's lucky that she's a humble hen, or surely it would go to her head. Our rooster is getting a bit jealous of all the attention that she gets. Uh, Trigg said Henry is effective at traffic control, and she is mostly reliable as chickens go. She's a bit of a fair-weather worker, and if it's raining, she knocks off early, Trigg said. Oh my god. There's a picture of a child holding her. Oh. Oh, baby. Oh. A chicken. I cannot Um, tell you how badly I want to get chickens for my home. But my parents will not acquiesce to my request. They refuse! They say there are too many coyotes and there are too many other things happening and our yard's not big enough and we'd have to get a fence and so many other things and I'm just... Just get the chickens! My parents' neighbors don't have a fence. Hence the chickens in the street. Well, we'd have to get Um, a backyard fenced. Yeah. Henry's initial appearance in Trigg's life came later, la- late last year, when out of the blue, a stray chicken wandered into a living room from a, f- wandered into the living room of a friend, excuse me, a friend and neighbor. Nobody was sure where she came from. She just, just a mystery chicken just appeared. Mystery um, chicky. My friend started hand feeding her because she was quite thin, said Trigg. We think she was a rescue hen, as her beak had been trimmed, and we found she really loved grated cheese. Excuse me? <laughs> this is, like, before we adopted our, our kittens. Um, we got our cats from Craigslist, and mm. the woman we bought our kittens from, they had, like, fleas and worms. They were not in a good home before we got them. Mm-hmm. But we got them, and, and the person we got them from, she is like, oh, their favorite food food is macaroni and cheese. And we were like, oh, can we take all of the cats that are here? Cats are obligate carnivores. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they need protein and not carbs. Yeah. Well, she was feeding them, like, or at least I think she was feeding them other food, but like, she was like, yeah, whenever we make mac and cheese, they always have, we always give the, the kitties some. They love mac and cheese. And I was like, uh, can we get the cats just like... That can't be good for them. Out of here. No, it wasn't. They had fleas and worms. Well, I don't think that was the mac and cheese's fault. No, but just there was other unhealthy stuff happening. There, there, it was a bad situation all around. Bad, bad situation. Yeah. But oh. our kitties are healthy now. I will say uh, chickens can eat cheese. Yeah. Chickens can eat pretty much anything, including their own eggs. Yummy, and they will, yummy. Including the shells. Um, I love chickens. Uh, when Henry continued to sneak into her friend's home to relieve himself, to relieve herself on the carpet, it was decided that Henry would be happier on Trigg's farm. We popped her into the paddock with the other chickens that weekend. Trigg said, but when all the preschool families turned up Monday, she moved herself into the car park. <laughs> One of the that preschoolers chicken was just convinced... like people. <laughs> She's like, I want to be around human beings, and I want to be, I want a job. I want to. I am a. I want to be where the people are. 
Jesus. I want to see want to see them parking. Um, she wanted to be a working lady. She yeah. wanted to get pets and get her head padded, which you know, good for her. Me too. One of the preschoolers was convinced that the chicken was his favorite hen from home named Henry. So that's what all the kids decided to call her. Good. Henry doesn't seem to mind, Trigg said. As Henry became more familiar with the preschool and the places where she was allowed to roam, the hen decided that she decided to hang out in the parking lot in the morning and the staff room at tea time and lunchtime, Trigg said. She likes to look for crumbs under the table, but Henry will do backflips for cheese. Good girl. I don't know if, can chickens do backflips? I'm sure it was a joke, but like. Uh, When Trigg noticed that Henry was squawking at drivers in the parking lot, she said she decided to order the hen a security guard vest, more commonly known in New Zealand as a high-vis jacket. I googled high-vis for chickens. Oh. And to my surprise, a New New Zealand poultry supplier had them. Oh my, Okay. I thought it would bring smiles to the faces of our parents and teachers and also highlight to the children that we all need to be safe in the car park around vehicles. Um, Trigg enticed Henry with a handful of grated Colby cheese, then fastening the Velcro vest under the hen's wings. She was pretty relaxed and compliant about wearing the jacket, she said. Now we pop it on first thing in the morning and take it off around lunchtime. As long as there is cheese involved, she's happy to go along with it. Me parents too. at the preschool. <laughs> me three. Um, parents at the preschool are delighted to see Henry strutting around the parking lot every morning. Henry is an absolute hoot, said Aaron McElmery, thirty-seven, whose four-year-old Molly attends a school. Some preschools might see a chicken in the car park as an annoyance, but we love Molly's preschool because they do fun things like this. The staff have identified Henry's skills and have encouraged her to live her best life, added McElmory. Um, I think it's fantastic. Her daughter is equally smitten with the sociable chicken. When cars come, they don't drive over the children because Henry makes the cars stop, Molly said. Then we, then we can go for our bush walks. I love her. I love her. She's amazing. She's wonderful. Um, it's just so cute. Although the preschool is also home to several cows, three ponies, a goat, and a small flock of sheep, Henry knows she is the star attraction, Trigg said. I think she can see her presence. I think she sees her presence as a calming influence on those around her. We have 12 hens, and she's now hanging out more with the rest of the flock. They work really well as a team, calming and charming drivers, and Henry's vest makes sure they are all kept safe as well, Trigg said. Henry lays about one egg a day, but rarely in the same place. (laughs) We have to hunt for them as she likes to hide where she's laying them. Oh, God. Usually we don't find them until there are a good dozen in a nest somewhere. Oh, they're probably bad then, too, right? Um, yeah. I mean, chicken eggs can last for a pretty long time at room temperature. Yeah, I guess. It's just the, the U.S. ones... Like, most places keep them at room temperature. It's no, just no, in the U.S. Well, I mean, it's... I guess it's in New Zealand. Maybe temperatures are different there now, these days. Yeah, I don't... Well, because fresh eggs that haven't been processed... No, they haven't been... Yeah, they can last outside forever. Can be forever. kept at room temperature for a little while. Yeah. It's weird um, that we put our eggs in the freeze, free, freezer. In the fridge. 
You put your eggs in the freezer? Yeah, I keep my eggs in the freezer. You don't I'm do that. I'm pretty sure that would make them explode. Um, Because the water content would expand. Yeah, it wouldn't be good for them. Um, uh, of course, there are bigger pr- problems one could have with a security patrol chicken. We can't let all the stardom go to her head, Trig said, or she might start wanting the overpriced tasty cheese instead of the good old economic Colby. And that is the end of the article. My God. This good, good chicken. Good news. It's chicken. You know, this was an episode all about animals. We have... It, it truly was. We have the capybaras... Waging, fighting for socialism. Fighting for socialism and waging class warfare, as usual. And we have a chicken protecting kids. A chicken protecting kids. I feel like that is a really good way to do that. Yeah. My brain just decided to implode. Yeah. Um, I think we should wrap up, maybe. I um, think that's a good idea. You have heard the good news about Steve from Blue's Clues and Capybara Class War. My broken toe. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Various news stories that are 9-11 adjacent. Um, I don't know if I'd call those good news, though. Those are... Funny news? There's something... Um, they exist. The Halsey thing is certainly funny. Um, and you've heard the good news about Henry the Traffic Hen. Henry the Traffic Hen. Um, there's gotta thank be you so much for listening. There's gotta be something more in there. Right? What do with, you mean? With, with like Henry and Hen and Traffic? Like wordplay wise? Maybe. I just can't get to it now. I got nothing. Yeah, me either. But I um, feel like it's there. If you think of something, tweet at us. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. I have been Dylan. Oh, I've been Sophia. Good night and good news. And I will catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.